Lord of life beneath the dome of the universe, thy home. Gather us who seek thy face to the fold of thy embrace, for thou art nigh. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thee, heaven and earth are praising thee, O Lord. shadows fall, heart of love enfolding all, through the glory and the grace of the stars that veil thy face, our hearts ascend. Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thee, heaven and earth praising thee, O Lord Most High. When forever from our sight, past the stars, the day, the night, Lord of angels on our eyes, let eternal morning rise and shadows end. Holy, 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 The call come ringing o'er the restless waves. Send the light, send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light. We will spread the everlasting light with the willing heart and hand. Giving God glory evermore, we will follow his command. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, send the light, and let his radiant beams light the world, light the world forevermore, forevermore. Let us not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light, send the light, send the light. Let us gather jewels for the crown above. Send the light, send the light, send the light. We will spread the everlasting light with the will, heart and hand, giving God the glory evermore. We will follow His command. Send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, send the light, and let its radiant beams light the world, light the world forevermore, forevermore. Light the world, light the world forevermore, forevermore. 
They borrowed a bed to lay his head when Christ the Lord came down. They borrowed the ass in the mountain pass for him to ride to town. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. The cross was his own. He borrowed the bread when the crowd he fed on the grassy mountainside. He borrowed the dish of the broken fish with which he satisfied. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. The cross was his own. He borrowed a room on the way to the tomb, the Passover lamb to eat. They borrowed a cave for him, a grave. They borrowed a winding sheet. But the crown that he wore and the cross that he bore were his own. The cross was his own. When I close my eyes eternal, when I take my journey home, there in heaven I'll no longer lonesome be. I'll have sisters, they will call me by my name. There in heaven I'll no longer lonesome be. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I'll find peace on that shore. There forever with the Father and an orphan no more. Sit me at his table, he will call me by my name. There in heaven I'll no longer lonesome be. There'll be no more tears of sorrow, only joy forevermore. There in heaven I'll no longer lonesome be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, I'll find peace on that shore. There forever with the Father, an orphan no more. He will sit me at his table, he will call me by my name. There in heaven I'll no longer lonesome be. There in heaven I'll no longer Tis midnight, and on Olive's brow the star is dim that lately shone. Tis midnight in the garden, now the suffering Savior prays Oh, with fears, e'en that 
that disciple whom he loves needs not his master's grief and tears. Tis midnight, and for others guilt the man of sorrows weeps in blood. Yet he who hath in anguish knelt is not forsaken by his God. Tis midnight, and on Olive's brow the star is dim that lately shone. Tis midnight in the garden now the suffering Savior prays Disciple whom he loves, he taught his master's grief and tears. Tis midnight, and for others guilt, the man of sorrows weeps in blood, yet he who hath in forsaken by his God. Welcome, friends, to worship. Our Lenten scriptures today, there are three of them, the first one from Exodus 17. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israel by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Our gospel reading comes from John 4. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, 
was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Our next reading comes from Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his, he saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. As we, as we prepare to reflect on these scriptures, pray with me. Abundant God, may we experience anew your trustworthy, dependable love, 
poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. Amen. One Friday each month, a varied group of East Chestnut Street women walkers gather at the home of Barbara Mitchell in Mannheim Township and walk the almost five miles to Central Market, sometimes meeting others along the way or at Market itself, where they share lunch and then turn around and walk the five miles back. Last month, it was a bitterly cold, windy day. And as we completed that hardest last mile, tired and achy, I found myself fantasizing about what I would do first when I got home. I would drink a big, hot mug of tea. Loving tea as I do, I knew that holding that cup would not only quench my thirst, warm my hands and soothe my weary body, it would also relax my spirit. That's what tea does for me. What quenches your thirst? Coffee? Hot chocolate? On a hot day, a tall lemonade or a cold beer? Or maybe it's that clear, fresh, free glass of water. There are a lot of thirsty people in our scripture stories today. There's the whole congregation of the Israelites traveling through a strange desert with no water in sight. There's Jesus traveling from Judea back to Galilee, dry from the long walk, and he finds a well, but he has nothing to draw the water out with. And there's a woman. We don't know her name, but I expect Jesus got to know it. And this woman is also thirsty. She needs water for her household, and that has brought her to the village well. We die without water. We may dress it up like mint tea or soda, milk or juice, but it's the water itself we can't live without. If we look again at our stories, we're reminded that water is not the only thing we can't live well without. Not only are the characters looking for water to quench their physical needs, we see them searching for something deeper, something that will satisfy a dryness in their spirits. We sometimes imagine the deep thirst of the woman who Jesus talked with. We can think of how hard it would be to have buried or been divorced from five different husbands, what it must be like to be dependent now on a man who does not offer her the respectability of marriage, how she would love to have a source of water that freed her from needing to come to the well each day at a time different from the more fortunate women in town. Jesus likewise seems to have thirst that goes beyond the physical to the emotional, for he is actually on this journey to Galilee because the religious leaders in Judea have been complaining about him. And so, in response, he decides he and his disciples need to get away for a bit. Physical needs can quickly lead us to emotional vulnerability, as we see with the Israelites, where their thirst and the cries of their children 
make them react in desperation with fear and anger, hopelessness, and regret. They seem to forget all that God has done for them already, and they wonder if it wouldn't have been better for them to have stayed in Egypt. Traveling in unfamiliar territory through a desert full of people of all the things that could go wrong. Insecure. Not knowing day to day where safety lies. In this wilderness called Rapidum, they find themselves questioning, is the Lord among us or not? And in this wilderness called World Pandemic, in this wilderness called COVID-19, the insecurity and unknown path a changing landscape may have us asking, how is the Lord among us or not? We listen to the news and are reminded again of the unreliability, the insecurity of paychecks and retirement funds. What rock is solid enough for us to stand on when All around us, the things we count on in our daily lives, why, even our Sunday morning routine, are shifting. Where do we find water in this dry place? In Jesus' conversation with the woman from whom he asked a drink, he told her that he could give her living water for her thirst a water that would bubble up in her like a spring that gives abundant, everlasting life. I cannot speak for each one of you and your spiritual journey, but I know that as a body, we are a group of individuals who have turned to Jesus for this living water. We have chosen him as our source, and we come together to encourage one another on drinking deeply. Yet I don't think that implies that we forget what it means to thirst, to sometimes feel dry, to sometimes wonder if there is any water still left in whatever particular desert we might find ourselves in. Is the Lord here or not? In the season of Lent, we purposely remind ourselves of our deserts. Apart from the common circumstantial wilderness we share as a community, we also, during this Lenten time, look to our inner landscapes, our personal places of drought. We confess our sins remembering together our wanderings and our doubts. We acknowledge our failures. And it is in light of this that the good news found in our Roman scripture becomes such a needed, refreshing drink for our spirits, reminding us that wherever we might be in our journey 
with God. We are loved by God. This passage reminds us of the reliability of God's love. And while this passage speaks specifically, I believe, to the steadiness of God's love throughout the changes we go through in our relationship with God, I hope that it also us of the stability and trustworthiness of God's love in all the changes of our lives. Something to count on. Something to stand on. Imagine with me a new baby in the family. Perhaps he's a grandson. Or your sister's little boy. Perhaps she is your best friend's much longed for first. Or even one of your own. And you hold this little one in your arms and you are smitten. This baby is simply wonderful and you love this baby. Now tell me, what has this baby done to deserve so much love? I mean, really, a baby does some things that are very unlovable, doesn't she? All she does is lay around and make work for everyone else. She gets her parents awake at night and she has completely disrupted their schedule. She cries when she's upset, and even, it seems, when she's not. She makes lots of messes in her pants. So what has she done to earn such love? This little child is loved simply because she exists. All she has to do is be. She is loved because she is. But it won't be long, will it, before things are a little less easy for this precious one. Oh, we will always love her. But it won't be long before just existing is not all that is expected of her. There will come a time when she is expected to sleep through the night. There will come a time when she is expected not to dirty a diaper and not to cry when she's hungry. And then she will go to school and discover that when she plays nicely with the other children or gets good grades on her tests, she's approved of. But if she gets into fistfights or doesn't hand in homework, the teacher gets upset. And then in high school, the pressure to make really good grades for that really good college, to dress right and look good and have the best friends Eventually, there's the work world, and she'll discover that if she tries just sitting around all day or isn't able to keep up with her boss's expectations, she won't get that raise or promotion. And she hears in church that there are all sorts of good ways to live in the world, and she should be extra loving and extra helpful because that's what Jesus said we should do, and that is what good parents do, and so she works tirelessly for others, and she tries to figure out what the right things are to believe so that she can work at believing them. Gradually, a person can start to believe that they are loved and have value, 
not simply because they exist, but because they have earned that love. They have had to deserve that acceptance. And if they don't keep up with pleasing and impressing and always improving, they might not have worth anymore. They might not be acceptable anymore. They might not be loved anymore. They may not have value. So that is why the good news found in today's scripture is such a drink of cold water. For listen to this. God has loved us not because we have earned love, not because we have been perfect, God loves us even when we are not lovable. God loves us because that's what God does. And God has proved it by coming to be with us in Jesus and with us in such a God-like way that dying on the cross would be inevitable. Paul tells us that we have received access to stand in the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we received this at a time when we were most unworthy of it. When? When we were weak. Well, weakness isn't exactly admired in our culture, but it happens to all of us now and then. And so weakness isn't so terrible. But then the words get stronger. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then it builds even more. Okay, so if it's not so bad to be weak, and if it's not bad enough being sinners, listen to this. Peace with God was made for us by God while we were enemies. Get the point here. It seems we're being told it's not because you deserve to be reconciled with God that Jesus cared enough to go to the cross. You didn't earn it. And you know what? You didn't have to earn it. It's not about earning it. That unconditional love, even greater than what a mother and father have for their baby, that generous love that is here for us Simply because we are here, that's what made Christ. That. For God proves God's love for us that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, our incompleteness, our neediness, our inadequacies, our failures, our lack of perfection, our humanness, those things may cause us to feel, at times, estranged from God, even though we have chosen to follow Christ. But the good news is we don't need to be good enough to merit God's love. The regular calls to faithfulness and discipleship that we come together to exhort one another with and which are so important for a community of faith 
can at the same time be a reminder of how far we fall short. For there's always more to be done and more growth needed. At times, being followers of Christ may make us feel like sinners because we set the bar so high for ourselves. But the good news is, through Christ, God proves that we are loved independent of what we do. God gave water to the people in the desert, despite their ungratefulness, their lack of faith, and their complaining, their sinning. And God would go with them the whole way to the land of promise. At the Samaria well, Jesus showed respect and dignity to a person who was called by society his enemy, simply because of her ethnicity and her gender. They were natural enemies. Yet, in asking for a drink from her container, he shared with her the cup of acceptance and equality as she did with him. And we are loved, loved even before we knew God, loved before we chose a relationship with God, loved from the beginning, loved not because of what we have done or who we are, but because of who God is. With a love, Paul tells us, that has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Poured like a cup of living water. And, Paul questions, if God loved us so much, we were in relationship with God, how much more fully can we appreciate this grace now that we are in relationship? How much more fully can we appreciate this grace? If God loves us when we feel alienated from God, how much more can we enjoy this love when we experience the reconciling work of Jesus in our lives? If we did not need to earn our new position on our own, we do not need to keep our new position on our own. If it didn't take our goodness to earn God's love, it stands to reason it doesn't take our hard work to keep God's love. When we believe society's message that we are lovable because of our accomplishments or our spending power or our looks or our status or our connections, it can be very frightening to lose those things. For we wonder then, who we will be without them, and we wonder what we will be loved for. And if we feel that we have God's love because we have been good and obedient and always do the right thing, then it is pretty scary when we remember that we haven't always done the right thing or even wanted to. But when love goes deeper than that, 
to the core of our being. It doesn't die with our abilities or our behavior. For over 50 years, my mother cooked delicious meals for my father. She carefully ironed his shirts. She kept his house clean and cozy and filled with laughter and singing. She washed his dirty clothes and preserved bushels and bushels full of fresh garden produce for him to eat all winter long. She was a willing traveling companion to him, taking her turn driving the car as they visited all the 48 connected states. She helped raise their five children and entertained their friends with lovely sit-down dinners and had interesting conversations with him. And my father loved my mother. And then my mother got sick and she was no longer able to cook his meals and she wasn't able to iron his shirts and she forgot how to drive the car and her words wouldn't come out right to sustain a conversation anymore. And my father had to start taking care of her for years. And my father loved my mother. Because he loved her not just because of what she could do for him. He loved her because he had committed himself to loving her as she had to him. And he loved her even when she was weak and powerless, because that is what love does. How much more does God love us even when we are not our best selves? Because God is love. We have chosen to drink of the living water that Jesus gives, that Jesus is. But as you experience the thirst that continue as part of your humanness, as you experience the wilderness of this uncertain time in our world or your own personal desert, may the assurance of God's continual, dependable, unconditional grace and love be a source of life for you. May it be a grounding rock, surprising you with water. In any desert you may find yourself in. And as you experience this generous love poured out through the Holy Spirit, may you be secure and refreshed to live out a life sustained by Christ. Amen. I invite you now to prayer. God of our desert places, we come to you thirsty. Thirsty for security, stability, health, and calm. We come to you thirsty for certainty and freedom from fear. We come seeking wisdom and guidance in knowing how best to live in this time. Give us trust in this time of change. Give us flexibility and openness, creativity to adjust and courage to cope. Remind us of what matters most, 
as we are called to isolate, show us how to support one another. As we withdraw from gatherings, show us how to carry one another's burdens. We lift to your care those who are sick, those whose jobs are threatened, those who will go hungry, those who will not have the services they need. We remember those who make decisions, those in leadership. We remember those disappointed by needing to give up what they were so looking forward to. We pray for our Monday night guests and ask for continued wisdom as we seek to serve them. We pray for Todd as he travels back to us this week. We pray for Malay, the young man who has come from Congo this week, ahead of his family, as he tries to settle in his new apartment during an unsettled time. Bless the welcome team as they interact with him. May we not forget your blessings. May we we remember to be grateful. May we drink always at your well. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. May the God who gives water in the desert bless and keep you. Be in peace. Amen.